Spoiler alert! Welcome to There's More to That Story, the most popular podcast in the world where TJ Mercer talks about storytelling and things that are interesting to storytellers and story lovers. I am your host, TJ Mercer, so uh, a couple of quick things. I'd like to apologize for the incredibly husky tone to my voice. Uh, I've been, I've had this chest cough for a while, and by the end of the day, my voice is just shot. Uh, every time and it's been that way for about a week now so this is the Barry White version of this podcast oh baby I might have to keep this up okay um so as you have noticed it is still Christmas time yay because it's December and I think that's just the general rule we consider all of December Christmas time so I'm going to keep talking about uh Christmas movies and Christmas stories I told y'all uh, in my last book podcast that uh, the next book I'm going to be talking about is Dune, but tonight is a special, or today is a special, because I'm going to be talking about both a book and a movie. Let's dive into the Polar Express. Now, I've said before I do not want to be a critic, but this, I think, falls under the category of a movie you don't like and you're not entirely sure why. May I've not talked to people about this, but I feel like this is a thing that you could overlook about why you don't like a story, specifically the movie. The book, The Polar Express, is a classic. It is a really entertaining children's book. and uh, I do mean children's children's book. It is illustrated. I think it's only like 30-something pages long. And it's a very basic story. Um, it is about a boy. I don't think we're ever told his name. It's just the narrator, like Fight Club. He is lying awake in bed, listening for a sound he fears he will never hear, the sound of Santa's sleigh bells. And the reason that he is scared that he will not hear that sound is the day before, or recently before, a boy in his school told him there is no such thing as Santa. And he doesn't want to believe that. He, he strongly believes that there is a Santa, but he needs to prove it to himself. So he lies awake on Christmas Eve, waiting and hoping that he will hear Santa's sleigh bells. He's rewarded for his devotion to this particular belief when a giant magical train appears on his street. He runs outside, and there's a conductor that tells him this train is going to the North Pole, and he's invited to come. And so that's really as far as it goes, as far as storytelling goes and character development. Kid has a crisis, he's, his faith is challenged, he holds on to his faith, and he's rewarded for it. That's the whole story. And what follows is, like I said, this is a little kid's story. So it's not a story so much as just this really cool ride on this awesome train that kids read about, and they think, oh, that sounds so cool. I'd love to ride on this train where the uh, the waiters dance, and they give you hot chocolate and cookies and candy, and I'm going to go to the North Pole, and oh my gosh, I got to the North Pole, and look, there's this sea of elves everywhere, and look, it's Santa Claus! And it describe it hides the fact that that's all that there is to this story behind the incident with the sleigh bell. Uh, this boy has this incredible adventure. Um, Santa chooses him to give the first gift of Christmas to. And the boy thinks, and he thinks, okay, I've been given this incredible gift. Tonight, I was scared I would never hear Santa's sleigh bells. And now I'm sitting in Santa's lap, in Santa's sleigh, in Santa's workshop, in the middle of the North Pole, and I took a magical train to get here. I never want to forget that this was real. 
So he asks for one of the sleigh bells because that's how he got there. So Santa gives him the sleigh bell and the boy goes home and sad sadly on the way home he discovers a hole in his pocket and so the sleigh bell is lost which could doom him to waking up the next morning and thinking that it was all just a dream but then he wakes up the next morning and opens all of his presents and then he finds a small little box under the tree that has a sleigh bell and it, I think it has a note that might have just been the movie but I think it has a note uh, from Santa saying, I found this in my sleigh. You should fix that hole in your pocket. And then we all get teary-eyed when he s- describes how his parents couldn't hear the sleigh bell and thought it was broken. And how he's been able to hear it his whole life, but after a while, his sister couldn't hear it anymore because she stopped believing in Santa. But he never did. And so that's why the sleigh bell... And so that's why he can always hear the sleigh bell. And, I mean, it's a sweet story. Um, But there's not a whole lot to it. Unfortunately, Hollywood is Hollywood, and it tried to take this very simple story, which, like I said, is only 30 pages and illustrated, and turn it into an hour and a half long movie. Now, we, as moviegoers, need emotional payoff. We need to be emotionally invested inside of a character, and we need that emotional we need an emotional character arc to be able to follow a person. So Hollywood tried to give this character an emotional arc. And it didn't go well. This movie is not very good. And it's it's one of those that it should be. The animation is and it is amazing, even though it did begin the dark run of Robert Zemeckis' motion capture obsession. Ugh. But uh, it has a lot of problems, and there are things that I don't think that I'm not. I'm not saying people are dumb. Um, that's not it. It's just I'm. I've learned to look for things inside of movies, and uh, I feel like a lot of people watch it and they think it wasn't very good, and I'm not sure why because it, it felt like the book. They actually, the book has a very distinct art style. I could see drawings from the book. I haven't seen it in years, but I know that if I saw drawings from the book, I would immediately know that it was from the Polar Express because the illustrations in it are very unique and they're tied to the book. And the movie did a very good job of imitating that art style. So the animation is very good, even though the kids... We've all made jokes about the kids' eyes, if you've ever seen 30 Rock. There's the episode where uh, somebody's explaining the Uncanny Valley. In the Uncanny Valley... You should research that. I do not. I know it, but I don't know it well enough to just describe what it is and give you a good, a, accurate idea of what it is. And you didn't come here for that. So the Uncanny Valley is involves uh, when we notice something is wrong with computer animation. So if you're interested in that, uh, just Google the Uncanny Valley. I'm sure that there's a number of YouTube videos and discussions on the subject. And uh, it's it's kind of fascinating because it gets into the psychology of computer animation and our, how our brains perceive it. But um, <laughs> that's not the only problem with the Polar Express. Let's talk about the score. The score... Oh, the score. First of all, that Christmas song that uh, the kids sing, something about... Uh, I don't even remember. It's about Christmas morning and the magic of Christmas. And it is just 
awful. It is so bad. It, the lyrics are cheesy. The music's not great. Uh, it's just, uh, it, it's so, and it's so painful because it is so obvious that the studio and the director all thought it was going to be a great moment in the movie, and it's just not. You just find yourself wishing it would end. And to go back to the animation for just a second, there's Steven Tyler Elf, which is just a nightmare that you never want to relive. Oh, man, that was terrifying. And I saw that movie in 3D on an IMAX, and that thing popped out at me, and I was just like, oh, gosh, I want to die. Oh, God. I was 15 at the time, but still my childhood was killed. Ah, that was the day I became an adult. I had seen things. Ah, uh, the score has... <laughs> The score has issues beyond just that song, though. If you know anything about uh, classical music and musical scores, what you want to do is you want to have, you know, a nice progression. The music should start off a certain way, uh, usually a lot softer, or uh, if it's an um, action movie that has, like, a big thing at the beginning, uh, that's usually pretty brash and big, and then the music goes into... Well, the best way to explain it is Lord of the Rings. I mean... We start off in Hobbiton, and the music is very playful and happy, and then it gets darker once the story gets darker. And then as the story escalates and we see bigger cities and uh, bigger battles, the score gets bigger and fuller and louder. A good score builds like that, and then it crescendos on the final climax of the story. Uh, think Return of the Jedi. The biggest moment in the music is... Oddly not when the Death Star blows up. It's, uh, well, spoilers on the Return of the Jedi. It's, uh, when the Emperor's tossed into the pit. When, at, and more than that, it's when, uh, Darth Vader picks him up. That's, that's when the music just goes, it, not, a, it just, it climaxes the entire series. It is just this awesome, it go, it bleeds from the Emperor's just haunting, evil Faustian theme into the force theme and it's the force theme bigger than we have ever heard it before because it won in that moment and that's what music is supposed to do it's supposed to convey things that we know and feel and it just gives us a, a better way of feeling it that's what scores do and Polar Express fails because it crescendos I'm not exaggerating inside of the final like 10 minutes of the movie the boy is going, the main character is going through a lot of realizations and growing moments and all that stuff. It crescendos like seven times in 10 minutes. And that's not supposed to happen. There should be one crescendo. And it's the same crescendo every time. It's like, oh, and then back, we're back down. And it crescendos again. And it's like, calm down, guys. That's. I don't know what to feel anymore. You've maxed me out. I, I'm done. Just stop it. Ugh. I get into music, too. I'm very into storytelling, but I've uh, I've done a lot of study of music and stuff. Um, uh, shout out to Mitchell Yaksh, my, uh, my master's in music performance friend who uh, has really taught me a lot about music theory. Pretty great. So that's the music and uh, the animation. But So let's talk about the story, you know, why you're here. The way they tried to make the Polar Express's story longer is uh, they gave the main character a flaw, which is a good thing. Uh, characters should have a flaw so they have somewhere to progress to by the end of the story. And his flaw was he didn't believe in Santa. The 
I, th- I think, I haven't seen this movie in a while because it's not good, but I believe that the the kid tells him that there's no such thing as Santa and he believes him. I think that there's something like he talked to his parents or something. So he doesn't believe that there's a Santa. And then the train shows up, which, first of all, that's a problem. Why does this train show up for him? Why is it important that this kid, that this one particular kid believes in Santa Claus? Whereas inside of the book, it was a reward, almost. This kid was, even though he was told there's no such thing as Santa Claus, he didn't want to believe that, and he held out hope, and so he was rewarded with that for that. Whereas this one, it's, like I said, the Polar Express shows up when this kid is having has already decided that he does not believe in Santa Claus anymore. So you do have to ask yourself, why is it important Santa Claus that this one kid believes in him? So that's that's something that just doesn't make sense. You know, thousands of kids every year decide that they don't believe in Santa Claus anymore. And this train doesn't hold thousands of kids. And if this train went to every kid that didn't believe in Santa Claus anymore, no kid would not believe in Santa Claus anymore. So... That's a flaw, number one. It doesn't make any sense. Number two, this is the kid's arc. He doesn't believe in Santa. And all of a sudden, this train shows up in his street. Not on train tracks. In his street. That's weird. Trains don't just appear places where trains don't belong. And a conductor is standing there who's expecting him, asks him if he's coming, and the kid says, to where? And the train conductor says, why to the North Pole, of course? This is the Polar Express. I'm actually okay with how that turned out, considering the state my voice is in. So he gets on this train, and it's riding through the countryside, and he's served hot chocolate, and the the guys running the, the chefs and the waiters and everything in the train are clearly magical. They're doing backflips and not spilling a drop of hot cocoa and they have dance numbers. I mean, when the wait staff bursts into song, it's a sign that there's some form of enchantment going on. A la Swan Princess or Beauty and the Beast. So that happens, and this kid still doesn't believe, which I guess mildly understandable, but he got on the train. So if he doesn't believe this train is going to the North Pole and any of this is real, he either believes that he's dreaming, which I don't think he ever says that he's dreaming, or he's just decided he's okay with being kidnapped. Again, doesn't make sense. And then we get to this point. Oh, gosh. So Santa's ready for liftoff, and this kid is surrounded by elves, and Santa comes out, and all the kids are... around him that were on the train are screaming, oh my gosh, it's Santa, I can't believe it, and he's saying, I can't see him, I can't see him, and he can't hear the bells when the reindeer are jumping up and down, he can't see Santa, he can't hear the bells because he doesn't believe anything, he doesn't believe that this is real, he doesn't believe that Santa's real, he is standing, okay, so he just took a train to the North Pole, a train that drove on ice, um, a train that appears to not actually be on any tracks, that is just running magically through the world. And it gets to this village in the middle of snow everywhere. 
and he sneaks off the train. He ends up in Santa's present factory, and like because it was a, it was made to be an IMAX 3D movie. He rides this roller coaster of it's like a, a UPS um, center with all the ramps and stuff, and he he rides on that. But it's clearly it's way more colorful and Christmassy, and there's stripes and stars and all sorts of stuff everywhere. And it's like, okay, this is clearly the biggest toy factory in the entire world because I can't see the end of it. And he gets out and he's in downtown North Pole. He is surrounded by elves. All of these things. He's an eight year he's a nine, ten year old boy, and everyone around him is shorter than him, wearing pointy red hats, green tights, and pointy shoes, and they have pointy ears. And there's eight reindeer being taken to a sled that is stacked up with a bag full of toys the size of the Empire State Building. And this kid is like, this kid can't see Santa because he doesn't believe in Santa inside of this situation. It's it's like Ebenezer Scrooge in the beginning of Christmas Carol and Marley showing up. And he sees Marley's face on the knocker and he's like, Dad, humbug. And he goes in, and then he sees a, a ghost hearse ride through his stairwell. And the ghost greets him and says, Merry Christmas. And he says, It's humbug still. And then he goes upstairs, and he hears Marley's voice coming from the chimney. It's still humbug. <laughs> oh, gosh. And he does it, and then then there's the, uh, the infamous scene where uh, Marley shows up and says, You don't believe in me, do you? Why do you doubt your senses? Uh, because a little thing can affect them. Uh, you could be a blob of undigested beef or a lot of mustard. There's more of gravy than of grave of you about of you. And then Marley gets really mad. Um, and it's the same thing. It's like, okay, so you've seen all of this. No, nope, nope, still don't believe. You're in the North Pole. Yeah, still not real. You're in Santa's village. Yeah, I don't believe it. You just went through his workshop. Yep, still no. You're surrounded by elves. Yeah, that, that's not real. And it just makes it ridiculous. I mean, nine, ten-year-old kids are not that difficult to convince about things. You can convince kids that dogs just really like sleeping next to the side of the road. They're not actually... There's, there's no such thing as dogs killed by cars. It's not... Oh, it doesn't make any sense why this kid doesn't believe inside of anything. And that is the pro biggest problem with this movie is they made the whole thing about having faith and believing in something. And I know that sounds ridiculous as somebody who I admitted a couple of weeks ago that I am a very devout Christian. But the way that this thing treats belief is just absolutely insane. This kid is getting... This is... This is somebody not believing in God when God shows up in their house and, like, moves the sky. Like, stars just shifted, watching time move forward and backward with a wave of God's hand. And you're just like, I still don't think that there's a God. It, you're, 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 you've lost your mind. At that, at that point, you are actually insane for not believing what's going on in front of you. <laughs> so that's one issue with the whole belief thing about this he goes to the whole thing with the sleigh bell and uh the first gift of christmas and all that and then ah oh, it's so bad so then it makes a big deal about how 
he believes in Santa and he'll always believe in Santa and he has faith now and it's like that's not faith anymore that's the problem with this movie is it doesn't seem to know what faith is you went to the North Pole you saw a sea of elves you spoke to Santa he gave you a present you watched the reindeer fly off you lost the present inside of the sleigh because of a hole in your pocket and you're and at that point you thought well I guess it's a dream you woke up the next morning and there's a box sitting under the tree with a bell in it and there's no way you told your parents about this in time for them to go shopping and there's a note that says this fell off in my sleigh it's not faith anymore and that's the problem with this movie is it made everything about belief it made everything about faith and then it doesn't give you any indication that faith is involved here this is a kid who saw something knew it was true and that's all he needs to know that's all that there is he saw everything he knows that it happened why would he have any reason to ever doubt it's not enough that he saw all of this but he still has evidence of it and his moment of when he decides to believe. At that point, it's ridiculous that he didn't anymore. Even if he thought that this was a dream, he can still believe that it's real within his dream. And so that's that's why Polar Express fails as a movie. It's great as a book where it's just this, this uh, wonderful presentation for kids of, you know, this is how this author and artist thinks the North Pole would look. And kids read that and they get excited. They see all the drawings and uh, they read the little bits of information that are given in the story and think oh the north pole is so cool i would want to go there but this movie couldn't just go off of that that's really boring even little kids they like to have some kind of a story happen and so they threw in this stuff but i decided i want to talk about this one because so many people blamed it on the animation they said it did they the kids just don't look real. The technology was not ready for this to happen. They tried to make it look photorealistic, but you just can't do that yet inside of computer animation. They should have gone for a more animated look. But because of that, people neglect the story problem. And so that's what I that's why I decided to talk about this to try and uh, open your eyes to why this movie fails as a story telling device um, and what went wrong in my opinion and I really don't have a solution I don't know uh, what you could have done with the Polar Express that would have worked better but this is something that you can look back on it, it's a hindsight is 2020 thing so yeah that's something that you can look for inside of a movie is does the does the theme make sense if you have a character that would be stupid to not believe in something then your movie probably shouldn't be about faith. So, that's all I've got to say about the Polar Express. I will be back next week. I think we're going to talk about the uh, the first two Home Alone movies and how they're a lot of fun. <laughs> and I enjoy them, even though they're they're a little corny looking back on it, but I still like them. Um, we, I recently rewatched both of them. and So this will be fun. Subscribe to this podcast so you can know when they come out and uh, email me at more to that story podcast at gmail.com if you have a movie you'd like to hear me talk about if you like it and you think people should if other people like a movie and 
You don't know why. If you if you hate a movie and you don't know why, or if you don't like a movie, if you like a movie and you don't know why, I would be happy to try and speculate on all of the above. So uh, email me, subscribe, and I will talk to you next week. <laughs>